Um, so we've got uh, lots of guests today, so a warm welcome to you all. Some of them are friends of ours from Scotland, and I'll get Des up to share a bit of her testimony. Fiona is the better half of Des, but hey. So during uh, the regional conference just in July here down at um, uh, Myrtle Beach, Andy Mead, our regional overseer, got up and shared his testimony. Now, I really like Andy. That's good because he's like my pastor, my boss type of character. He can throw me out the vineyard, so he has some power over me. And so, But I like him, so it's all good. And um, so Andy gets up and he tells his story of how he came to faith. And um, the story goes that he, he was, you know, Andy was a bit, he was like 19 years old, 20-ish, somewhere around there. And Andy was a bit of a, a, a pothead. Right? Well, actually, he wasn't a bit of a pothead. He was just one of those people. He was into all sorts of substances, and that's what he did for fun. And so one day, he's at home minding his own business, and his older, I think it's his older, his older brother comes home from work, and his older brother sold books door to door. You ever had those people show up door to door selling books? That's what his brother did for a job. And while his brother was out that particular day, uh, he had knocked on the door of a said Christian, uh, apparently a decent one, and a the Christian opened the door. They had this encounter where he was trying to sell the books. And this guy witnessed to him, gave him a tract, old school, simple tract, and just talked him through the basics of the gospel, said, you know, in, in, God has reached out to the world. The world is separate from God. Humanity is broken. But Jesus has come to cover the gap. And if you surrender your life to Jesus, all the things you've ever done wrong, things that you know are wrong, things you don't even know are wrong, gets forgiven and you get eternal life with God. And uh, Andy and his brother had, were totally unchurched, knew nothing of the gospel. The brother was like, this sounds like a good deal. Gave his life to Jesus on the spot, comes back home and tells Andy the story. And Andy says, that's rather remarkable. That's amazing. He says, tell me more. So he rips out the simple track and not knowing anything about anything, he then witnesses to Andy. Andy's like, I am in. He gives his life to Jesus right there and then. The two of them are overjoyed, filled with the joy of the Lord. They're like, we are saved. We're good, good for eternity. And his brother turns around to him and says, you know what? This is a cause for celebration, and I've got just the stuff. And his brother ripped out some products of various plants, some that can be smoked and other things. And he said, I have bought some real good stuff. We are going to party hard tonight. And the two of them got as high as kites all night long, partied all night long, guilt-free because of their celebration in salvation. So there you got, you got one person who's evangelizing to another person, getting them saved, yet at the same time they know nothing about the gospel. It wasn't until months later when the two of them, because Andy now decided to join his brother in his career in selling books door to door, because you know when you sell books, good things happen. And so the two of them are driving around months and months later listening to teachings on on, on the cassette tape in the, in the car because it was back in the day. And it, at that point, the preacher says, and this is why Christians shouldn't do drugs. Um, at which point, pause gets hit, tape gets ejected, the car gets pulled over because, well, this was a point of discussion. <laughs> Obviously, because they'd been celebrating their newfound salvation <laughs> with said drugs. And so, <laughs> long story short, Andy is now the regional overseer of the Mid-Atlantic in the vineyard. So uh, there you go. If you ever wondered why the vineyard is a mess, now you know. Anyway, great story, crying with laughter, one of the best testimonies I've ever heard because the way Andy says it is even funnier. And it teaches us something. It teaches us that 
regardless of where you are in your spiritual walk with God, you get to play a part in his, in his act of saving the earth, even if you know nothing and you're doing it all wrong. God can still use you to do amazing things. God used Andy's brother to rescue him and save him. And even though there was loads of room for growth, God was still using them as disciples from the moment. Even though discipleship and growing into all the richness that our faith offers, the richness of a relationship with Jesus offers, is a lifetime, pro lifetime project. You never, ever get there, but there's always more to go. So two weeks ago, we began a series on the theme of everyone gets to play. And it's a saying that we have in the vineyard that pretty much covers all ministry and highlights, basically, the status of every follower of Jesus. Regardless of who you are, how new you are to the faith, or how old you might be, and maybe you've followed Jesus for 60, 70 years, and regardless of what your gifting and your abilities are, you are invited to partner with Jesus as he extends his kingdom influence throughout the earth. That sounds awesome. But we all know that there are a bunch of Christians out there, and you may know some, that uh, aren't a very good advert for this following Jesus thing. But then, as well as that, you actually know some other Christians who are actually great adverts for this thing because they're doing this kingdom thing in a really amazing way. What we know from these stories from Bible stories and Andy's testimony, is that becoming a Christian doesn't automatically fix all our problems. It doesn't automatically prepare us for the kingdom living that we're called into, the identity that we're supposed to live out of being Jesus' ambassadors to all creation. You know, being teachable and being ready to learn and ready to submit to our master, our Lord Jesus, over a period of time, that's what gets us there. So even though you might start out and you have faith in Jesus, but your life is a mess, that's okay. God's got a long-term project ahead for you, you know. But even though you might be a mess, he's still going to use you to impact the lives of other people. So uh, that's what we want to explore today. So just bow your heads and pray with me before we get to our reading. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love. And just as before we even uh, move forward, we just pray for Will and Sarah Burke and for her family as, they, as they've suffered a bereavement recently. And so as they kind of deal with that this weekend, we pray you be especially present with them and draw near to them at this time. And Lord, as we get into our message of everybody gets to play today, as we think about being ready, willing, and able for you, Lord, would you begin to challenge our hearts this morning? Would you reach into each one of us? Would you encourage us where we need encouragement? Those of us who maybe are covered in guilt this morning, would you help us to find forgiveness and freedom from guilt? Those of us who are struggling to break through an area of growth in our life, Lord, would you give us that thing this morning to break us through into that next area of our relationship with you? But most of all, Lord, this morning, would you give each one of us faith that regardless of what we know and who we are, we're still invited in. We're invited in to do this thing with you. We're invited into this recreation project that you are carrying out in all the earth. Lord, guide my words this morning. Let them be from you. Let anything not of you be forgotten in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 9, but it will be on the screen behind me, and you can follow along there too. And I'll be starting at verse 
49. And it goes like this. So what happens is, uh, yeah, we'll follow the story. <laughs> oh, my. Look at that. Good luck. Good luck. Sometimes it doesn't work when you do the editing. I did fix it. Anyway, so uh, if you have a telescope with you this morning, please, please bring that out while I do the reading. It goes like this. Now you have to listen. It says, Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Jesus surprisingly responds and says, do not stop him. Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples and James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. The end. There you go. Maybe the next one will not be so small. Anyway, you can bring up the next one, Wayne, and that's all done. So there's a few things going. Oh, look, that one works. Fantastic. There's a few things going on here, but there's a, there's a couple of points I want to focus on today. And the first one is this, that Jesus teaches his disciples a way of life. You know, the, the disciples were a motley crew. They were made up of fishermen. There was a tax collector. There was a zealot. And zealot's basically a revolutionary fighter who was fighting against the Roman op occupation. All of them were not what your regular rabbi or spiritual leader would pick as their team. And so they were a bit of a mess. But these were the guys that Jesus picked to be his inner circle, to be his, his uh, apprentices, if you like. And so Jesus had to have a lot of perseverance. He had to have a lot of patience. Uh, he had to put up with a lot of nonsense from them because they were messing up all the time. And our reading today is a prime example of this. Prior to the happenings in this reading, is there's been a few miracles. And in those miracles, the disciples have... Uh, clearly and very well shown a lack of faith in almost everything. Jesus does a bunch of things and they freak out every time and Jesus comes through and they're like, oh, wow, Jesus, you did another awesome thing. And, you know, we're a mess. They just didn't have enough faith in those situations to do much of what Jesus was asking them to do. Yet, when they get to this Samaritan village and the, this group of Samaritans is like, no, your rabbi, this teacher you have, he's going to Jerusalem and Samaritans and Jews had some beef. He says, we're not going to welcome him. And so all of a sudden, James and John, Jesus called them the sons of thunder, because they were, obviously, this is why. All of a sudden, James and John are like, hey, wait a minute. We have some faith right now. Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and smoke all these Samaritans? Because they got it coming. All of a sudden, they've got faith to call fire down from heaven. Earlier, they had no faith to feed 4,000 people. But now they're like, Lord, we know we can call a bolt of just like napalm down from the sky and just burn this place out. All of a sudden, they have faith. Now, who knows if they were offended? They probably were offended because Jesus was their, you know, their guy, you know, and they wanted him to be respected. 
But they probably also wanted to impress Jesus with their faith in this moment too. But regardless of what it was, Jesus wasn't impressed. <laughs> he didn't think they were big and he didn't think they were clever. And so he quickly rebukes them, basically reminding Let's check the battery power. Yeah, no, it's good. Basically reminding them that their roles as messengers of the gospel did not include the right to be judge, jury, and executioner. And that's a lesson for you as a disciple. Your role as a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, when you interact with people who don't know him, yes, you get to tell them about what Jesus has done in your life. You bet you get to be a messenger of the gospel. But just remember, you're not judge, jury, and executioner if they choose to reject your gospel. That is always very, very important to know, especially here in the States where it seems like everybody who has a message seems to want to be judge, jury, and executioner of anybody who doesn't buy into their message. And so the disciples are offended and they want to burn a village to the ground. And actually, it highlights something that's quite epidemic in our culture today, and that's one of offense. All you have to do is go on social media. Uh, Facebook is particularly good at this one. Uh, watch the news, especially the national news. Uh, watch some local politician making some sort of announcement. And you will notice one thing about our culture, and we in the church are not immune to it. In fact, we're as bad as the culture outside there, sadly. Too many people are too easily offended. Too many people get their back up about all sorts of junk. And this is a problem for a kingdom person. Because to be a people of grace, which is what we're called to be, is to be opposite to being a people of offense. So if you're easily offended, you are actively working against your identity in Jesus Christ. Offense is closely related to our pride because we get offended because someone's poking at our pride. And grace is closely related to an awareness of our forgiveness, which is almost in polar opposite to pride because in order to receive forgiveness, you need to be being humbling yourself to God. So think of the last time you were offended by somebody and ask yourself, were you truly wronged or was it because your pride was hurt? Yeah, nine times out of ten, it's because your pride was hurt. I know for me it is. I don't often get wronged by other people. They annoy me <laughs> profusely, but I don't get wronged by them. And so if I'm easily offended by them, then that's a problem. It means my pride is probably a little bit too strong in me. You know, if it's the latter, if you're easily offended because of no good reason, then Jesus, more often than not, tells you to let it go. To give the grace to that person that you would like to receive from them. And this is the way of life that Jesus models to his disciples. Continually choosing not to be offended by people when they reject him. Every once in a while he gets a bit of a beef with the Pharisees and goes off to them. But there's different reasons for that. We're not going to get into it today. But there were lots of people that turned away from Jesus. And he didn't get offended by them. He didn't call smoke and fire down from heaven. He just got on with it and went on to his next thing. And this, in this way, Jesus continually confuses everybody uh, by how he responded to situations and even how he taught about things like righteousness. 
he continually extended grace to people who he had every right to be offended by. You know, examples like the woman caught in adultery. Most of you know that story. If you don't, I apologize. But Jesus is super nice there when he had every right to like be taking the high and mighty chair and you know, the moral high ground and you know, try and get in a little bit with the Pharisees. No, he, he, he offends them there too. Especially uh, a good example is, is his response to the apostle Peter uh, after his resurrection when Peter denied him three times. I would be offended by that. You know, if you, if you got a friend who's not had your back, who's let you down, who's gossiped about you behind your back, you know, just on one occasion, not necessarily a serial gossiper, but someone who's really let you down. You know, how, how, did you, how did you respond to them? Did you forgive and restore them like Jesus did with Peter the last time somebody offended you? Or did you do something else? If you did something else, maybe you should rethink that response. You know, because do you have room in your life for other people to make mistakes? Now, you know, we have people who do bad things on a regular basis, and then those, those are different, and we need to deal with those differently. But the thing we need to remember that being easily offended is a serious roadblock to your growth as a disciple. And so that's something we have to really be conscious of as we're trying to grow as Christians. There's a guy called John Bevere. He, he's kind of an independent preacher, travels all over the place, does the conference circuit. But he wrote a book called The Bait of Satan, and basically, it was a book about offense, about being easily offended. In fact, when I first came here as a past, uh, as pastor to this church, uh, to that original leadership group, I gave everybody in that leadership group a copy of that book. I said, because, you know, I'm foreign. I'm going to offend you, you know. You know, I'm going to say some, some dodgy stuff from up here, and I'm not going to know it's dodgy until somebody tells me afterwards. And so, you know, if you're easily offended, it's not going to go well for you with me. So I gave him that book. But he calls it the bait of Satan. And why does he call it that? Because offense is the easiest way to damage relationships and tear churches apart. To damage ministries. Just think of all the little ministries we do in this church. The easiest way to break them down and cause disharmony with people is to sow offense. Getting easily offended. You know, it's one of the devil's main tactics. You know, poke at your pride. Get you all offended by what somebody said to you or what they did to you. And then he just sits back and watches the fallout. Watches you get all upset and, okay, well, I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. I'm not going to do this with you anymore because you said this to me and I deserve to be respected more than that. I deserve to be treated with a little bit more respect. If you're not going to respect me, I'm not going to respect you. And that's what we do as human beings. But that is not what we're called to. We're called to be more like Jesus. We take it on the chin and we allow people to be people. We allow people their mistakes. And we forgive our friends when they let us down. Now, if your friend keeps stealing your stuff, you know, don't let them in your house. You know, and there's, there's wisdom and logic there about what to do. But, you know, people are too easily offended. And so as a result, you see lots and lots of churches all over this country, all over the world, where they're just messed up congregations because people aren't, aren't forgiving one another. They aren't giving one another grace. And so it raises the question, how is God going to use us? How are we going to be even ready, willing, and able to be used if we're all too busy 
being offended by each other. Well, there is hope. There's some good news. Jesus doesn't get surprised by any of this stuff. Jesus, even amidst all of this, chooses, and we see this from the disciples, he chooses an imperfect group of people, an imperfect church, to spread his message. But along the way, he calls us to learn, to change, and to grow. So look at the disciples. How ready really were they when Jesus left and ascended to heaven and gave, gave, him, gave them his Holy Spirit? They were still messing up, right? Even then, they stood at the mountain watching up to heaven like, oh, we're not so sure about this. And then angels show up and go, why are you looking in the sky? Get on with it. I'm like, okay, we're not so sure of this deal. And off they go. And then God Almighty gives them his Holy Spirit to go change the world. And they do. Because God likes to use broken vessels. For some odd reason, I think it's probably a picture like this. If God came to your house and there's two mugs on the table and you're going to give him some water, one of them was cracked and was going to leak all over your floor, he'd probably use that one, fill it up at your faucet and start drinking it and then the mess fall all over the place. He just likes to use broken things to do good stuff. That's the way he seems to operate. And so... They had loads to learn, the early disciples. They made loads of mistakes. They fought with each other. They fell out over things. Then they had to forgive one another and sort it all out. The early churches were a mess. You know, often, you know, when you speak to, like, Christians who don't really read their Bible that closely, and they go and they say things like, if we could just be like the early church, then we'd, we'd all be sorted out. I was like, have you read Corinthians? You know what people were doing with their mothers-in-law and their stepmoms in that Church, it was like, it was a mess, you know. We are way better than they were, right? But we've got improvements that we can work on too, you know. And so God uses this messy group of people to go and reach out to a messed up world. And as they go, they begin to grow and they begin to sort out their mess and they begin to change and become better at it. And that is our responsibility as disciples is to know that we can be used now don't ever disqualify yourself where you're at, oh, God's not going to use me because I'm this or I'm that. No, God can use you right now, but your commitment is to say, hey, I choose to grow. I'm going to try and get better at this thing, knowing that he is good. And so the early church's responsibility, responsibility was to remember everything that Jesus taught them and to grow in it and to begin fixing their mistakes as they went along. And that's exactly what they did. So 2,000 years later, here we are. We're still living with problems. We're still messing up. And the reason is, is because every new person that comes to a church, every new person that comes to faith is starting from square one. You know, it's just this, this, it's a vicious cycle. We get messed up, we get saved, and we start from square one. And so there's always going to be problems to fix. And God's still going to use us in, amidst, in the midst of all those problems. You are still invited to partner with Jesus' reconciling, reconciling work in the world, whether you're good at it or not. And that is really, really good news. Being an imperfect church, living in the tension of the already and the not yet, you know, God's kingdom has arrived here on earth. People are getting healed and saved, but at the same time, everything is still broken. Living in that tension and still trying to live out a good life is just part of our calling. Jesus gives us the perfect good news and the perfect kingdom, knowing that we're going to distribute it 
in a very imperfect way. And he is okay with that because he's got a plan for us. He's going he's gonna to grow us. He's going to get there in the end. It's just something we need to accept. And so our role in all of that is to take our growth seriously. You know, we've got to have correctable hearts, teachable hearts, and soft hearts towards other people with a bit of a thick skin so we don't get, get offended easily. And as we go, we commit ourselves to grow. Say, Jesus, keep changing me to be more of a kingdom person so that I can serve you with a, a, a richer awareness of how good you are. We need to learn from Scripture. We need to learn from one another. We need to practice praying. And we need to practice getting to know God. We need to serve together. We need to serve one another. And we need to worship together, learning to surrender more and more of ourselves to God as we go through our daily lives. And then as we do that, we need to keep checking our pride along that journey. Am I getting pride? Do I need to be a little bit more humble? Do I need to forgive someone? Do I need to give somebody the benefit of the doubt? And to continually be humble, submitting to one another in love. And as we do that, God grows us and gets us to be more and more able to do the task ahead. All we have to do is be ready and willing, and he begins to make the able happen. You know, Des and I were sitting last night, I think it was about midnight, sitting just chatting about old times, and uh, we were just talking about that saying that we hear all the time. You know, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And so all you have to do is say yes, and then he's going to equip you. He's going to shape you. He's going he's to make you into all you need to be. So I'm going to bring Des up now. Just grab that yellow mark, Des. Hopefully it's on. Um, and uh, Des is just, uh, Des and I went to the same church in Scotland before I came here. And uh, I was there when he became a Christian, not because of me, but I was just around the area and I got to see a lot of his early growth. And um, so he's just going to share some of his testimony about stuff. Yeah. So, there you go. It's on. It's on. Amazing. Lock it up. Why? I feel like an international celebrity now. It's good. I will talk very slowly so that you guys can follow. There will be subtitles on the screen. Um, yeah, no, um, yeah, I, it was 10 years ago I became a Christian. I was a drug addict bouncer. Um, uh, I was very, very good at being a bouncer. Um, as I'm sure you can tell by my general demeanor and my face, I was extremely good at getting punched. Um, and um, yeah, I just, I'd taken an overdose. God miraculously met me. And the next day I never touched cocaine again, which is just crazy. And then over the next um, three years, I kept meeting Christians. And in Glasgow and in Scotland, that's a bit weird to keep meeting Christians, especially when you're a bouncer. Um, and they were all very nice people, but they were a bit beige. No offense to you, sir, wearing beige at the back. Um, but it was all very, like, it was very strange. And um, then I kind of went along to, um, I met Fiona. Um, Fiona helped sort me out and uh, gave me a Bible. And um, through a kind of really long story, basically, I asked Fiona out a lot of times. And she kept saying no, because I wasn't a Christian. Um, and I couldn't believe that because obviously I looked like Brad Pitt. So I was quite surprised at her response. And then um, she, I read the Bible and I read from Genesis 
and I read all the way through and I got to Ecclesiastes 3. And in Ecclesiastes 3, it talks about there's a season for everything, a time for everything under heaven, a time to live, a time to die, a time to party, a time to go to war, all this stuff. And uh, God really spoke to me. Like, and my life kind of flashed into a lineup and I had this like overdose thing and I had been stabbed and I had loads of stuff all happen. And then I phoned Fiona and we went to church. And one of the first people I met was Billy. So it's a, like, truly it's a miracle that I'm still in church, um, like, after that. But, um, you know, if you ever needed to know that God's real, there's the truth. Um, but actually, I went on this thing called an Alpha course. Uh, they gave me food. I asked loads of questions. And uh, Billy became my mentor. And I'm honestly... I cannot explain to you guys how much Billy has been an influence in my life. Um, and I'd say, oh, I'm getting emotional. That's weird. Um, but just being here today is like a real journey for me. Like, actually, I was prideful. I, I am super gifted. Like, and I can say that, honestly. Like, God has blessed me abundantly. Um, I'm a good preacher. I see God move. I see people get healed. I've seen 91 people come to faith personally this year. Like, I am so blessed. Um, but I'm full of pride. And I'm an idiot. Like, I really am. Like, I shouldn't be able to do all that stuff. But God just steps in and fills in the gaps where I fall down. And I mess up. And I'm not the best husband. And I'm not the best dad. And I'm definitely not the best human all the time. I'm certainly not the best Christian, but God just blesses me time after time. And just, it's that thing of just being called. And when God asks, I just step into it. So like whatever God asks me to do, I just say yes. Because like, that's the adventure, right? That's the most exciting thing we can do. And like, you know, God just blesses it time and time and time again. And see all this miraculous stuff happen. Like, even, like, working with young people. Like, I've spent the last 10 years working with, like, disenfranchised, broken young people across Scotland. Thousands of them. And we've seen loads of them come to faith. And we've just seen the most amazing stuff. But it's all been just because of those little yeses. Just those little steps of saying, yeah. Like, what do you have for me, God? I'll step into that. Like, what's next, God? Like, I'll step into that. And actually, it's that... For me, that's the, that's the everyone can play mentality. Like, there's no limit to what we can do. Like, 10 years ago, no one, including Billy, would have thought I'd be standing here today. And, like, I'm now the director at Alpha Scotland. Like, there's 1,200 churches in Scotland run Alpha. Like, 30,000 people did Alpha in Scotland last year and are finding out about faith. And I'm responsible for their well-being. Like, I don't even tie my shoelaces like, I slip my trainers on, um, you know, like, sneakers, sorry. Yeah, like, you know, I should, like, there can only be the fact that God just creates that space for us to play. And actually, I just really, like, I just think for me, I pray for you guys every day because, well, Billy's your pastor, so you need it. Um, and uh, I, I just, like, for me, this is just such a perfect example. Like, hearing that sermon today, being with you guys today, it's like, who could have imagined this, right? Who could have imagined all of these things all happening to have this tattooed, bearded, strange, Glaswegian, Scottish guy standing here today with all of you lovely people and that presence of God when the worship band were playing and stuff? 
Like, how can we, how can we not get involved in that? How can we not think, actually, we need to step up. We need to be doing more. Like, we need to just be who we are in God. We need to understand our identity and step into that. Is that not the most exciting thing you've ever heard? Is that not something that you just want to go, right, let's go out and tell Greenville about Jesus right now. Like, I'm actually getting fired up. If anyone wants to come with me, um, you know, we're going to do some open air stuff. No, but like, seriously, like, I just, I just think it's so exciting. And um, yeah, look after Billy, because he looked after me. So, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> I'd love to pray for you guys. Is that okay? Yeah, Lord Jesus, we just ask you here. More Holy Spirit. Yeah, Father, as these, uh, as we just sit here in your presence, we just want to, we just want to do your will. We just want to be the people that you've created us to be. And just make it so clear to us now the plan that you have for our lives. Just fill us up. Equip us to do your mission, Lord. Do you want to come up? You know, we are his workmanship. And as we submit over to God continually, he just transforms us and shapes us into his community of love. And so, you know, if you're a guest with us today, we just finish every service with this thing called ministry time. It's just an opportunity for you to respond to whatever God's saying to you. And so in a minute, we're going to close with a song. Um, and during that time, you can sing, you can stand, you can sit, you can pray. But let this be the time that you invite God to draw near to you. He'll do it by his Holy Spirit. And just welcome the Holy Spirit to come into your heart to strengthen you and encourage you if you need that, um, to help you be set free from something that might be binding you if you need that. Or whatever it is, it might be something that had nothing to do with our message today. Maybe you've got a cold and you want to be prayed for to be healed because you're tired of blowing your nose. Whatever it is, this is your opportunity to welcome God. And so we'll actually have a, some people down here on the, my front right, just down by the rug, uh, our ministry team will head down there. And so during that time, during our time of worship, even now, if you want to receive prayer for anything, just come on down. They're trained to pray well for you. They're not going to do anything strange to you. They're not going to pick your wallets. Um, so just uh, make use of that if you'd like to receive some prayer. But I'm just going to welcome the Holy Spirit to come. And uh, I'll just be quiet for a minute. And that'll just be your opportunity to ask God to draw near to you. Holy Spirit, would you come?